Today is April 9th, 2021, and today we discuss the gun control debate. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We got a fantastic episode here to close the week out that I know many of you have been asking for and uh, many people have been very, very interested in and in light of some of recent events, this issue has and topic has gotten brought up again as something that I think I need to cover here on this podcast. So today, going to be a little bit different. We're going to do a deep dive into one specific issue that is incredibly important. It has been prevalent for a long time here in the United States, here in the United States, and that is the issue of gun control and the debate around it. So, if you are new to our podcast, welcome in. We are so glad to have you. Our goal here on this podcast is to look at both sides of the aisle in as objective of a view as we possibly can and try to look at the good and the bad on the left, the the good and the bad on the right as well. And of course, try to split the difference and find that sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in the middle. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into our first and our only story of the day, gun control. So, um, Biden announced that he has plans within this past week, it was actually yesterday, I believe, uh, to attack two specific issues in the gun control debate. Uh, He's been under increasing pressure, uh, especially from the left and over the past few weeks, to pass some sort of gun control measures as there have been multiple mass shootings, specifically one in Colorado and another one in Georgia as well. Uh, And many progressives basically want to hold Biden's feet to the fire a little bit and hold him to his campaign promise of that he made during his campaign, that he would be, you know, coming in and having some sort of sweeping gun control that would, you know, be legislative, that he would be promulgating in order to be able to kind of get this issue under wraps a little bit better. Um, And he said that it was one of the first issues that he was going to try and tackle in his administration. Uh, So the two big things that he's talking about, and one of them, the third one I think we're going to tack on as well, uh, are ghost guns. And we'll define that and talk through that. Red flag laws. And then the third is some sort of assault weapons ban, right? Some type of ban on specifically assault weapons. So let's go ahead and listen in. This is uh, President Biden talking about this uh, yesterday. Uh, this is reported by NBC News. Now, I know this has been a hobby horse of mine for a long time. Got it done once. We should also ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country. For so that 10 years we had it done, the number of mass shootings actually went down. Even law enforcement officials have told me and told other champions of this legislation they sometimes feel outgunned by assault weapons with large-capacity magazines. There's no reason someone needs a weapon of war with 100 rounds, 100 bullets that can be fired from that weapon. Nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. All right. So that's Joe Biden talking specifically about uh, assault weapons. And then he also assault rifles. He says assault weapons. 
Uh, and then uh, also high-capacity magazines as well. So Biden and the left argue that by implementing further restrictions that they will cut down on mass shootings, uh, and the primary focus is kind of always around mass shootings because they indeed are absolutely horrific and, you know, However, you know, it is a little bit of a straw man argument and we'll kind of get into why that is. Um, but because the gun debate is incredibly nuanced and I have given my opinion on a lot of the different aspects of the gun, gun debate before, I think it's probably important for us to, today just go through a lot of the facts, go through a lot of the statistics around gun control, a lot of the statistics around mass shootings, around homicides, around suicides, around gun violence in America and talk through especially what some of the different definitions mean, okay? Uh, and uh, along with, you know, some of my other single-issue podcasts that I've had in the past, I'm going to do my best purposefully to keep my opinion out of it, okay? Uh, simply present the facts from the research that I've been able to do and then allow for you, my listeners, to do make a lot of the decisions on your own, take the information that I've given, and do further research, of course, uh, have conversations with the people around you, and then formulate your own opinions about what you think should be done around a lot of the issues surrounding guns. Um, I, I will, of course, try to be as objective as possible. Um, and because, you know, I have talked about this a little bit in the past. So there's a few things before we even start that we need to define. And the reason why definitions are very, very important, specifically in the gun control debate, is because there are a lot of things that are given kind of like basically blanket definitions that are kind of all encompassing. And because the gun control bait is so nuanced, uh, it, it devolves very, very quickly into uh, people don't know what they're talking about or they're uninformed on the subject. And a lot of different things get tossed around that are, aren't really, I guess, um, helpful or beneficial to the conversation. So there need to be very, very clear parameters and things set set out in the very, very beginning so that we can then have the nuanced conversation around some of the different statistics in gun control. So first that we'll talk about is what is an assault rifle? Okay. Second, what is a ghost gun? These are increasingly being talked about more and more. Biden specifically said when in his announcements in the Rose Garden uh, yesterday, and he would want to place further regulation and uh, restrictions around ghost guns and the sale of them. So we're going to talk through what are they. Uh, the third or what are red flag laws. That's also been increasingly talked about a lot more. Uh, and then fourthly, what is a mass shooting? Okay, because it's important for us to understand what the definition is of a mass shooting. So first, an assault rifle. What is it? So an assault rifle, unfortunately, does not have a, a federal definition on what it is. It has uh, a, a definition that is kind of widely accepted as what, that, what an assault rifle is, and that's what I'm going to talk through, but there isn't a hard and fast definition of what an assault rifle is, and you will see that frequently throughout the rest of this podcast. So an assault rifle is loosely defined as a military-style select fire rifle that uses an intermediate cartridge and a detachable magazine. Okay. So let's talk through what that means. An intermediate cartridge, first of all, is one that has a reduced energy output upon the firing of the weapon so as to reduce the recoil of the gun. So for example, uh, most pistols have a lower recoil because they have a cartridge or a bullet inside of a casing. So if you've ever seen a, a bullet, if you don't know very much about 
uh, any type of firearms or weaponry, anything. A bullet is actually just the piece of metal that is fired out of the cartridge. Okay. So the cartridge contains the gunpowder, uh, that then fires when it's ignited, fires that bullet out of the gun. So the cartridge is basically the entire thing. Um, uh, so a pistol has a lower recoil because the cartridge that it uses oftentimes comes with a smaller payload inside of it, okay? A hunting rifle, okay, like a 30 alt 6 for example, has a much higher payload and a larger bullet that is going to be sending that bullet out, okay? An M4, which is the standard issue military assault rifle, uses an intermediate cartridge, okay? And basically what that means is, is it's got a, a, oftentimes a bit of a smaller bullet, uh, but it has a, it doesn't have, doesn't send out nearly as much of a payload, right, upon the firing of that bullet so that it fires fast, it still fa fires very, very quickly, However, it significantly reduces the amount of recoil that you would actually feel upon firing the weapon, okay? Uh, second, select fire. So select fire simply means the ability to switch between an automatic and a semi-automatic setting on the gun. These technically are not legally allowed for sale within the United States as automatic weapons are banned in the United States unless you have a very specific permit that allows you to obtain and fire automatic weapons, okay? A detachable magazine. A detachable a magazine allows for the ability to remove the canister that holds the cartridges, the bullets, uh, and feeds the gun. So, if you've ever seen in a video game, or if you've ever been watching a movie, right, any type of war movie, and you see them shooting their guns, and then they click a little button on the side of the gun, and you see this like black box that falls out of the bottom of the gun, and then they click in another one underneath it, that is the magazine. It basically is just a casing that holds all of the bullets and the cartridges inside so that it can then feed into the chamber of the gun the bullets as the gun is being fired, okay? So that's what an assault rifle is. That's what uh, some of the basic definitions around uh, how they define assault rifle, an assault rifle. So secondly, a ghost gun. A go so ghost guns have come under a lot of scrutiny here recently and are one thing specifically that Biden has said that he hopes to target. And a ghost gun is basically a gun that has been built that has been built using what they call a gun kit that can be shipped to people without uh, a serial number on the gun. Okay, so if you buy a gun that is manufactured within the United States, they are required to have a serial number on the gun, okay, specifically on the receiver, which that becomes important. This allows for the United States federal agencies to be able to trace all of the guns that they may find to the original manufacturer and to the gun store that sold it, okay? So wherever that gun initially in the very beginning got into somebody's hands, those serial numbers allow federal agencies to be able to track it down. So, what Biden has a problem with and what a lot of progressives have a problem with is that you can go online and basically buy these things called gun kits. And these kits uh, essentially allow you to be able to purchase all of the parts of a gun and then build it yourself. And, you know, if you build the gun yourself, what they are saying is that it wouldn't have a serial number on it because it uh, wasn't actually built and sent out, uh, built by a manufacturer, okay? However... How this being how this is being talked about right now is incredibly misleading, okay? 
Every single receiver that is put into a gun is required to have a federal serial number, okay? Because the receiver on a gun is the part that is required in order to make the gun shoot because it houses the entirety of the firing mechanism, okay? You can't just go out and buy all of the parts of a gun that don't require any type of serial numbers or any type of background checks or anything like that and not buy a receiver and still fire the gun. You have to have the firing mechanism in order to fire it, okay? And, uh, you know, what I think a lot of Democrats have talked about is uh, how people are making receivers at their home. They're illegally... Uh, basically purchasing a bunch of different parts and then building a receiver illegally. But obviously that's illegal. You're, you're already not allowed to do that. Okay. So yes, you can go out and buy all of the parts that you would need to put together an AR 15 tomorrow. And you can have them shipped to your house same day shipping more than likely without the receiver and never receive any sort of background check at all. But as soon as you buy the receiver and the firing mechanism for that AR-15, you have to undergo a background check and you have to, under, you have to be, your, their serial number is placed on it and your name is attached to that receiver, okay? Purchasing, purchasing a receiver without any serial number on it at all, because of course you can do just about anything that you want, is illegal and is already banned under federal law. So banning ghost guns, okay, doesn't really necessarily do anything. They basically just want to discontinue people's ability to be able to purchase all of the parts that they would need in order to be able to put put a gun together at home okay so red flag laws what are red flag laws so a red flag law allows the police or a family member to petition the courts to remove the firearms from the possession of someone who may be of danger to themselves or others. It would also keep them from being able to go out and purchase a new gun. So for example, if you were a parent, you found out that your child was suffering from severe depression and anxiety, uh, and they've been fantasizing about killing people. You would then be able to go to the local courts and the police and have the weapons that, that your child may have uh, taken away from them. The idea behind it is basically that it would potentially allow for the courts and the police to stop potentially dangerous people from having or purchasing firearms in the future. The difficulty that is, uh, that is specifically around red flag laws is the definition of potentially dangerous, okay? If red flag laws were extremely broad and loose, then in theory, anyone could report almost anyone, right? They wouldn't necessarily have to be extremely close to that individual. Uh, they wouldn't have to have any type of uh, specific evidence behind it, right? They would just go in and they would report that that person has firearms and they don't think that that person should have firearms. And the courts and the police would then have to go out and investigate that person, okay? And likely take their firearms away. Um, even though that person may or may not actually be of danger to anyone, okay? That makes a lot of people that are gun rights activists very, very scared because the thought of people being able to just say whoever they want, right? If someone in your family just doesn't like guns, they decide to report every single person in their family that has guns and say, well, they shouldn't have them because they're potentially dangerous. Well, then now that person is going to be on a registry with the federal government having uh, being having their name sent in underneath a red flag law provision, and it may 
impede them from purchasing a gun in the future or having a gun to protect themselves or their house should they need it. Okay. So, uh, another problem is that the definition of potentially dangerous is different state to state. Many states, uh, that, you know, currently have red flag laws in place are different from the state that may be right beside them that also has a red flag law. And so it's difficult for uh, there to be any type of broad consensus around what these specific laws should look like or how they should be carried out. It should be noted here that even the NRA, okay, the National Rifle Association, which is by far one of the biggest gun rights advocacy lobbyists in the entire country, said that they are cautiously on board with red flag laws if the red flag laws are very specific and, you know, there has to be a full investigation before any type of weapons removal would happen. So uh, even the right side of the aisle is somewhat on board with red flag laws, depending on how they're written and how they're carried out. So the fourth thing and the last thing that we'll define before kind of getting into some of the other stats and stuff around uh, guns in the United States is mass shootings. Okay. So mass shootings is, are also incredibly loosely defined. And honestly, it differs a good bit on who you're talking to and how it's being reported. However, the broad definition that I've been able to find through a lot of my research is often a, a shooting that kills four or more people. Okay, so the the broad definition, the baseline for what's you know when when a shooting becomes a a mass shooting, is if four or more people are killed as a result of that shooting. Um, even this though is oftentimes, you know, skewed, skewed and reported on very differently. So for example, in my research, I found four different sources reporting four different numbers for the total number of mass shootings in 2015. Okay. This is, it ranged from anywhere around a hundred mass shootings in 2015 to almost 400 mass shootings. And every one of those sources were also very left leaning sources. Okay. Most of the time, more left-leaning sources tend to have much higher, much looser definitions of a mass shooting, and they also have much, uh, much higher numbers for how many mass shootings typically occur within a year. Uh, you also tend to see that around school shootings as well. Uh, there are many uh, sources on the left and researchers on the left that define a school shooting as any shooting that happened within sometimes a five or even ten-mile radius around the school for it to be considered a school shooting. So you'll have, you'll see on like CNN or you'll see on MSNBC or some of these more left-leaning reporting agencies where they'll have an, an astounding number of school shootings that have happened within a given year. However, how those school shootings are defined is most of the time not always advertised because it could be a result of a domestic violence case that happened five miles away from the school in a house outside of school hours and they're considering that a school shooting. So not really a school shooting. Um, it's tough to gauge how many mass shootings have actually taken place. Um, however, it is clear that they have increased substantially over the past decade or so, especially when looking at the numbers from the 70s and the 80s, uh, when a mass shooting at that point in time was almost completely unheard of. So you oftentimes see that mass shootings, as they're reporting, are perpetrated overwhelmingly by what they call kind of lone wolf white males. However, demographically, this isn't necessarily true. Uh, whites actually account for about the same amount of mass shootings as their percentage of the overall population. However, the overwhelming majority of mass shooters are male. So, 
Yes, the, 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 if you're looking at a persona of what a mass shooter looks like, uh, the FBI has not been able to necessarily drill down specifically into what a, a, a school shooter or a mass shooter would normally look like or walk like or talk like or act like. Um, but they normally are almost always male um, and you can't necessarily say, you know, that white people participate in far more mass shootings than other ones, uh, than, uh, than other races. So, um, it has also been found in a few different sources that of the mass shooters, a large majority got their weapons completely legally. Uh, some have found, uh, this to be as high as 82% of the mass shooters actually obtained their weapons by completely legal means. However, I will give a caveat here. A lot of these sources are very difficult to verify because the federal government, believe it or not, does not keep very many statistics on this type of stuff at all. The data is very sparse. A lot of times this is done through surveys or it's done through uh, kind of like bass backwards ways of getting around to figuring the stuff out. So I don't necessarily know whether that's a statistic that can totally be trusted. It was just one that I actually saw repeated on a couple of different sources. So I felt like uh, it could be at least important to point out. Um, I think the most important statistic regarding mass shootings, though, is actually how few of them there actually are. Uh, mass shootings have, have made up less than 1% of overall gun violence deaths in the United States over the past 40 years or so. So, as it has been said before, a good politician never lets a crisis go without getting something passed, okay? Because of how incredibly emotionally inducing mass shootings actually are, you know, are, it allows for an opportunity for many people to use the anger of Americans, many pop politicians to use the anger of Americans to push across agenda that they want passed. And I don't necessarily mean that Democrats specifically, uh, because normally they're the ones that are pushing for more gun control, are capitalizing on a bad circumstance for nefarious purposes, okay? Like, I don't mean to paint the Democrats in a bad light there at all. Many Democrats really do strongly believe that stronger gun regulations will reduce gun violence in America. And they do have an argument to back that up, okay, which we will get into here in a bit. Um, but uh, you oftentimes see that mass shootings, and you heard Joe Biden when he was talking about this earlier, he specifically referenced mass shootings in America because they induce the most fear, they induce the most gut reaction from the constituents that are voting people into office. Um, when a horrific shooting comes onto the news, it gives extra fodder for the gun control debate to kind of be brought back up and then pushed along through legislation. So the biggest problem that we have in the United States actually isn't large-scale shootings, killings of four or more people at a time. It is actually suicides and homicides that are carried out by the use of a gun. So, a little bit of statistics here. In 2018, which is the most recent year that we have available uh, for data in 2021, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC's National Center for Health Statistics, report that 38,390 deaths by a firearm happened during the year of 2018, of which 24,432 were by suicide and 13,958 were by homicide. So, even out of all of those, right, two, almost two-thirds of those 
were actually suicides, okay, of gun deaths in 2018. The vast majority of the gun deaths and homicides specifically in the United States are all carried out with the use of a handgun. So in 2010, 358 murders were reported revolving a rifle, while 6,009 were reported to be involving a handgun or one hand, a handgun, okay? So between 1968 and 2011, 1.4 million people died from a firearm in the United States. So in comparison with 22 other high-income nations, the United States gun-related homicide rate is 25 times higher than the average of the other high-income nations, okay? Although... The United States have a, has about half of the population of the other 22 nations combined, okay? And this includes, you know, a, a lot of European nations, like other nations like South Korea, uh, the, uh, you know, all of the highest 22 income nations, okay? The United States has about half of the population when you combine all of those together, okay? However, the United States had 82% of gun deaths, 90% of all the women killed with guns, 91% of the children under 14 killed with guns, and 92% of the young people between 15 and 24 killed with guns, okay? So it should be noted... The United States has significantly more gun violence than just about any other developed country in the world, by and large, like by a, a huge margin, okay? It should also be noted here uh, that gun deaths by state are significantly higher in states with the most relaxed gun laws. So in 2018, the states with the highest per capita gun death rates by rank were Mississippi, Alabama, Wyoming, Missouri, and Louisiana, okay? Those were the top five. The states with the lowest per capita gun death rate uh, out of all of the states were the most, you know, were the ones with the least, were the most, I guess, stringent, okay? So the ones with the lowest rank were Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Hawaii, New York, and New Jersey. So all of them have the strictest gun laws. They had the lowest per capita um, uh, gun death rate in the entire country, okay? So to say that this is a problem in the United States, I don't really think encapsulates how big of a deal it actually is. Uh, and as a result, you know, the gun debate has continued to grow for many, many years um, with the vast majority of gun violence and gun deaths being carried out by handguns. Uh, and the debate around assault rifles specifically uh, is normally used and talk about when talked about when talking about mass shootings. So uh, the last thing that I think is very important to talk through is whether or not the guns that are used in most homicides are obtained legally or illegally, okay? Because this is also a huge, you oftentimes see this on the right side of the aisle where they'll say, well, if you go out and you ban guns or you put a bunch of restrictions on guns, well, then people will just go out and they'll get the guns illegally, right? So is that true? Um, the answer is yes and no. Unfortunately, uh, the data is incredibly difficult to parse through, and that's because the federal government does not keep track of this data. Mind blown. In the 1990s, Congress made, it, made a ban on using taxpayer dollars to research gun violence as a public health issue, which I know is absolutely unbelievable. The last time that data like this was collected was actually in 2004, and it was done primarily through the surveying and communicating with inmates that were currently in prison and asking them how they obtained the firearm that they used to commit the crime that they did. Uh, what is clear 
is that the inmates pretty much found ways to get a weapon, okay? In the 13 states with the fewest gun regulations, okay, so the most relaxed gun laws, about 40% of the inmates said that they illegally obtained a firearm. But only 13% said that they got it from a store that actually sold guns. So the majority of the people either got it from someone else or they stole it, okay? In the other 37 states with the most with the most gun restrictions, 60% obtained the firearm illegally. So what that basically means is that uh, with more gun restrictions, with more gun laws, people are forced to go out and obtain guns illegally, right? Seems seems like it makes sense. However, I think what's important to realize in those statistics is that in the states where there were more relaxed gun laws, there were more people that self-reported in prison, got the guns that they used to commit the crimes in actually a legal fashion. Okay, so that means that you know by their own admission, uh, a good portion of those people in those relaxed gun law states actually went out and purchased the gun legally or obtained the gun through legal means in order to commit the crime that they did. Um, however, I think what the biggest thing that you can get out of that is pretty much that criminals can and will obtain a gun illegally if they have to, um, which kind of seems like a no brainer, but oftentimes that is disputed. So I know that that was a ton of information and it was all, you know, very, very quick. Um, so listen through the podcast again, if you have, you know, if you you know need to pick up on certain things, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to me and ask me questions. I hope that this kind of spurs on conversation that you have with people around you. Uh, and also helps to inform maybe some of the research that you're doing as well. Um, I, this should not be the only resource that you use for the gun debate issue. There are plenty of other great resources out there. Uh, there's a lot of great research that has been done around this issue specifically. So I encourage all of you to go out and do the exact same. So that is the end of our story today. Let's go ahead and hop on real quick into the last segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week, the Masters. Hands down, the Masters is on, and it has already been so much fun to watch. I love sitting down, grabbing a glass of bourbon, and watch, just turning my brain off and watching some golf for a couple of hours. It is, it is the bomb. I just love it. Every single year when this comes around in April, I was so bummed last year when it, uh, when it ended up getting canceled and everything. Uh, but it's been a ton of fun already, and I've only watched one day of it. I'm looking forward to watching the Masters and watching some golf through the rest of the weekend. It's going to be a great time. So with all that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all, Remember, we are going to do our best to stay level-headed. We are always going to be reasonable. And, of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.